Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Thanks, Billy. And welcome, my friends, to The Road to Rural Prosperity. We're going down this road today and visiting with the director of the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation, J.D. Strong. J.D. has been the director of the department since 2016. Before that, executive director of the Oklahoma Water Resources Board. He calls this wildlife conservation position a dream job. We'll learn a little bit more about his story and some of the things going on with the wildlife department these days, helping make Oklahoma a top 10 state in this arena. Our journey today along the road is being powered by the Public Service Company of Oklahoma. PSO is committed to protecting the environment and conducting operations in sustainable ways. In fact, Oklahoma Wind Power makes up about 20% of the energy PSO provides to their customers. We'll be back with J.D. Strong from the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation here in just a few moments. For over 100 years, Public Service Company of Oklahoma has invested in the prosperity of rural Oklahoma. As PSO increases our reliance on natural gas and renewable energy like wind, we'll continue to create jobs and increase revenues for schools and rural communities across the state. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. Howdy neighbors, welcome back on the road to rural prosperity. Today's journey has a stop in on Lincoln Boulevard, just a little south of the Oklahoma State Capitol. And today we're sitting in the offices of the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. J.D. Strong with us today. And J.D., welcome. You, you basically had quite a journey to get to this particular office as you've traveled a bunch of years through various stops when it comes to state service. Sure. No, it's definitely been a serendipitous road to get to uh, um, my dream job, if you will. But um, certainly I come from, you know, five generations of farming, ranching Oklahomans that grew up hunting and fishing. Uh, very passionate about it. Um, deep roots in it. I actually got my wildlife ecology degree from Oklahoma State University back in the day. Uh, but at the time I was coming out of college, they weren't really hiring at Department of Wildlife. So I ended up at the Water Resources Board, uh, rose up through the ranks there, ended up being director at Water Resources Board, uh, spent some couple of years as uh, Governor Henry's Secretary of Environment uh, along the way. And then lo and behold, the uh, wildlife director decided to retire about three years ago, and I uh, decided I better pounce on it. It's probably a once-in-a-lifetime chance, and so I was very lucky and fortunate enough to land it. And here you are. Here I am, <laughs> ready or not. Uh, let, let, let's talk, you know, kind of maybe that top, I guess the, the maybe the top of mind for a lot of folks when they think about this department, uh, the, uh, the hunting license and then the regulation of all the hunting activities that go on in the state. Correct. So, you know, we, um, we are a non-taxpayer funded, no appropriations, but, um, agency of the state that really helps, I think, bring, 
um, about the, um, you know, the, the opportunity for over one in four Oklahomans participate in hunting and fishing, a uh, multi-billion dollar industry in the state of Oklahoma as well. And so it's our pleasure at Department of Wildlife to be able to sell hunting and fishing licenses. That's our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get federal grants that come to us based on the number of licenses that we sell. So again, license sales are, are the critical piece, but that is how we fund wildlife conservation in Oklahoma and every other state in this country now back up you said no appropriations from the from the state budget is that, is that true correct okay. right no appropriations here we what we kill we say well <laughs> i don't think i actually realize i bet i bet a lot of folks don't actually realize that yeah no i think that's right i think a lot of people are astounded when they hear uh that no taxpayer dollars are coming over here uh to fund fishing and wildlife uh activities game wardens law enforcement uh research one 1.3 million acres of public hunting and fishing acreage mm-hmm. across the state lots of things going on really all on the on the backs and, and dime of the hunter and angler and shooter uh as well now obviously uh, this is the time of year we think about hunting a great deal in the state what you know anything new as far as some of our rules and regulations some of the 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 uh the uh things that we're trying to you know actually try to accomplish this year yeah, there's not a lot new on the regulatory front. The one big new thing this year is we rolled out a totally new um, licensing system. Uh, so it allows us to do everything online, on your phone. Um, you can still carry around a hard card or, or paper license if you want, and you can mm-hmm. still get it at Walmart or wherever you used to buy it if you want. Mm-hmm. But you can also whip out your um, smartphone and, and uh, have all the licenses you need right there on your on your um, phone. So that's one new thing that's out there. But, uh, but but other than that, I think, you know, we, we expect this is going to be a very productive uh, hunting season. The weather seems to be just right. Deer are rutting really hard right now as we approach gun season. And uh, I think there's, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. And we've seen, in fact, already in archery and muzzleloader seasons, um, some really big deer getting checked in already. So populations are pretty good on most of the species that you'll uh, have licenses for? That's true, yes. Uh, populations are great all across the board. Um, you know, we just came out with our quail report, I think, to, today, recently. Um, and so quail numbers we see statewide up a, a little bit, but, you know, of course, they're way down from where they were in the 80s and beyond. And so, you know, our quail numbers are still struggling like most of Bob White quail country. Um, we've got some, uh, you know, some spotty turkey declines as well. Um, but all in all, deer, the most pursued species in the state, great. Fishing opportunity, great in the state of Oklahoma still. Uh, so, uh, you know, things are, are looking up for the state of Oklahoma. Now, you know, when, when it comes to uh, those, uh, those uh, licenses, uh, you indicated that you're, it's kind of a, a partnership with some of the uh, private, private vendors, some of the retailers that are out there, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've always leaned on and depended on uh, retailers across the state, whether it's bait and tackle shops or, mm-hmm. or shooting stores, sporting goods stores, um, that sort of thing, to, to be out there on the front line selling those licenses. And really what we've brought online is just a, a new opportunity for those that are maybe more connected, more electronically declined, inclined. Um, I might be eclectic. <laughs> electronically declined but um there are many that are out there more electronically inclined to just have that Mm -hmm. additional source to be able to go on and get their their licenses pretty quickly and we've already seen just in our first year of the rollout an uptick in license sales too and so it's hard to know exactly what to attribute that to 
but in a country where we're seeing um, pretty precipitous decline in hunting participation for Oklahoma to continue to be one of about four states that's growing hunting mm. and this new licensing system helping to boost that even more, uh, it's all pretty encouraging. What, what, what's the uh, what's the staff? What, what, what are you? Who are your professionals out in the field? We have all kinds of professionals. So we've got uh, you know we've got about 350 employees all okay. told. Uh, about 130 of those are game wardens um, scattered across the 77 counties of the state, one in every county at least. Uh, and then you know the the mix of the rest would be. Um, we've got administrative staff, of course, that are handling accounting and IT and property management, that sort of thing. But, you know, the bulk of them are, are going to be biologists, scientists, technicians. Um, I, I like to say that we've got a lot of farmers, essentially farmers and ranchers on our staff as well, just because we're doing a lot of work on the landscape mm-hmm. that we do work on to manipulate it for improved wildlife habitat and, and growing uh, animals are our crop. But we very much use some, some of the common uh, range management and farming techniques that you would expect. In fact, many of us in this field of wildlife ecology um, probably have at least some background in agriculture as well. Mm-hmm. Me having, a, I got a minor in agronomy, in fact, when I was at Oklahoma State. So it, it's not, so we have a lot of biologists, farmers, ranchers doing a lot of research. We've got scientists that are doing hardcore research to make sure that we know everything we can about our populations and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, give me an example or two of some of the uh, research that has kind of caught your eye. Well, I think one of the um, probably the, one of the key things, one that's most attractive to a lot of people is looking at our black bear research that we do here. A lot of people don't even know we have a black bear population in Oklahoma, let alone hunt it. Uh, so if you look at the cover of the recent edition of Outdoor Oklahoma, you'll see a picture of Governor Stitt in a tree stand hunting black bears in southeast Oklahoma, which just happened within the last couple of months. So uh, we do have a huntable population now, but we would not have known that if we had a sustainable huntable population if it weren't for the research that we work with Oklahoma State in that case to provide. And so since uh, the early 2000s, we've been doing that research. It was based on that research that we figured out in 2009 that we had a sustainable enough population that we could start hunting. Mm-hmm. Been hunting them now for 10 years in the state of Oklahoma, and that population continues to grow. And so that same thing is happening. We were probably spending close to a million a year on quail research, Bob White quail research in particular in the mm-hmm. state of Oklahoma, um, trying to understand, you know, why the population's in decline. Is there something that more that we can do about that? And, and as well as, you know, what are their patterns and movements? and what can we do to enhance habitat for bobwhite quail. We go on and on, but a number of species that we've, we're spending uh, millions in research dollars on. Right. We're talking today with uh, J.D. Strong from the Oklahoma Wildlife uh, Department. And, uh, J.D., let, let, let's, before we uh, take a break, let, let's talk about maybe one other subject that uh, I know you're working on right now. We've got a lot of fishable waters. We've got a lot of lakes in the state of Oklahoma and, and other streams as well. You've got something that the, the, the department's been working on something called what the the fishing trail or fishing trails. Correct. It's a part. In fact, I should give props to Lieutenant Governor Pinnell for mm-hmm. really um, coming into office and pushing this idea forward. But a cooperative between us and Tourism Department, okay. a new Oklahoma fishing trail that we just launched in the spring, and we already have data in. In fact, Tourism does the, a great job of tracking uh, expenditures as a result of their media campaigns. But it's showing somewhere. In 
the neighborhood of a 40 to 50 to 1 return on the investment that we in tourism have made into this new Oklahoma Fishing Trails campaign. We couldn't be more excited. We've got fishing guides and fishermen and, and fisher and anglers, uh, women in angling scattered all across the state that are getting excited about this and getting their um, Grand Slam uh, postings and stickers and, and that sort of thing. So it's a great opportunity for us to really showcase what is a, a world-class fishery in Oklahoma. Right. So is there a website or a place, place to go can, you know, folks can find out more about the fishing trail? Absolutely. It's all set up uh, fishingok.com. That's without the G, true Oki style, fishingok.com. <laughs> J.D. Strong with us today, and we'll return here on the Road to Rural Prosperity in just a moment. PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Let's continue now on the road to rural prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. With us today is J.D. Strong from the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. J.D., I know that uh, there's there's some things that you're working on uh, uh, as far as, uh, you know, so, some of the uh, landowners that, that you're interacting with. There are some worries. There are some concerns that you've had to try to address regarding uh, purchases of, uh, of some land, some private lands for uh, wildlife conservation. What what's the philosophy when you when you think about trying to acquire some of these some of these properties? Well, so we're very strategic about it. We have limited resources here at Department of Wildlife, so it's not as if we, we're going to be some great land baron anytime soon. But you look at a lot of the states in the West, and they're 40 to 50% public lands. Right. Here in Oklahoma, and, and in fact, it's one of the great things that I love about staying home in Oklahoma, 95% of the landscape is in private hands, and it should be. And so land that we have under ownership as a Department of Wildlife is less than 1% of the landscape. We lease more than we own, in fact, about three times what we own we lease um so it, it all is in an effort to provide public hunting and fishing opportunity there are more and more people as they migrate to the urban areas in our state they're becoming more and more detached from the land they no longer have a place to hunt and fish like they used to growing up back when i was growing up for example and so it's really um on us to take their dollars that they pay us to provide hunting and fishing in the state of oklahoma and provide them a place to hunt and fish it's also economic development um, we have data to show over three billion dollars in economic development is generated in this state from hunting and fishing and you go out to any place where we have a wildlife management area take beaver wildlife management area for example those hotels stay booked through the fall and winter and it's all because people are coming from all over the united states to go hunt um, beaver wildlife management area and, mm -hmm. and they're filling their hotels and restaurants and buying gas and all those sorts of things so it's it's economic development it's a place to hunt and fish and it's also a place for us to make sure we're taking care of our non-game species keeping things off the endangered species list that sort of thing now 
you know, when we think about uh, that, uh, that person coming out, gets his license, he goes out into the country, there's still that, uh, that relationship that he needs to establish with that private landowner. Well, you know, how, how, do we, how, do, how do we get that to be a win-win? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. And I think it's because we've always put a premium on working with private landowners. We're not going to manage a healthy wildlife population in the state of Oklahoma when 95% of the land is privately held without a productive relationship with private landowners. Mm-hmm. You're also not going to manage a herd when the only way to cull, if you've got too many animals, for example, is through hunting pressure. So we've got to work with landowners to talk about how they can allow more hunting opportunity on their properties where we may have instances of overpopulation for example Mm -hmm. and so that's a challenge that we have to work with landowners and do a better job of working with landowners to handle they've also seen i think you see a number of landowners that have seen a great economic return from the ability to to uh, lease out their property for hunting and so people can get anywhere from three dollars to fifteen $20 $20 an acre for depending on the habitat and where they are for um, leasing their place out for hunting. And it's it goes right alongside with common agricultural practices. I mean, gr- sound grazing, haying, all those sorts of things are work hand in hand with wildlife management. So it's a really, um, I think, a good symbiotic relationship that we have out there that we need to continue to foster. So We'll continue to work with landowners. They're going to be extremely important in everything that we do for wildlife management and providing hunting and fishing opportunity in the state. So do you, do you have some resources, some of the biologists and others that are on your staff, that uh, if a landowner, you know, want, wants to try to uh, maybe, you know, in, improve the numbers, the quality of the, of the stock on his, on his uh, land, uh, his personal acres, uh, do you have some folks that are, are good resources for them? We absolutely do. We've got on staff private lands biologists that are assigned to different regions of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can always reach out to them. Uh, and, and their job is to go out and work with landowners to, to come on their property and for free, no charge, talk mm-hmm. to them about how they could improve their landscape for wildlife. We also have actual incentive programs where we'll pay them money to put in practices that are going to benefit wildlife. And we work closely with NRCS and other USDA programs that provide um, habitat incentives right. to put that money in their hands for doing good um, habitat work as well. In fact, we work closely with Quail Forever for example, that has farm bill biologists on staff working with us to go help improve wildlife habitat, which is a great service to those landowners, put some extra money in their pocket to pay for those habitat manipulations, eastern red cedar control, which most landowners are really interested in, not just for wildlife, but for livestock. So lots of great opportunities. They just need to get in touch with our private lands biologists, and they can always get in touch with us by calling their county game warden and, and working up the chain from there. Right. One four-letter word that's out there on a lot of our private lands are hogs, mm-hmm. feral hogs. I know that there's, uh, you know, it's a, multi, it's a multi-agency type approach that the state of Oklahoma has. Department of Wildlife Conservation, a part of that, uh, of that effort. Sure. So um, Department of Agriculture has sort of primary authority over the nuisance animal control piece of that. And that's, you know, in conjunction with USDA's Wildlife Services Program. Uh, but we are very much involved. Um, you know, that's also part of the equation, working with landowners, see if we can help with with um, hog control, because it's very devastating to wildlife habitat, grazing habitat, farming habitat, the whole, the whole nine yards. We also are, as, as a agency that manages 1.3 million acres for hunting and fishing, 
we're a we're a landowner that faces hog problems ourselves so we're constantly battling feral hogs coming in and tearing up our properties as well and and figuring out new ways to to trap them that sort of thing we're also involved in um, the wild hog working group um, at the national level we've got a staff person engaged in that always learning about the latest research we're um, very much engaged in latest research to bring a toxin to market that we might be able to use on the landscape to really poison these animals Uh, but at the end of the day they're not considered wildlife they are nuisance animals and Mm -hmm. we're all working with everybody we can work with to talk about how we can do a better job of getting them off the landscape. I know nuisance is a good word for them, for sure. Uh, One of the concerns about feral hogs, diseases. Are are there are there other some of the species that you're actually uh, involved with that, that are considered wildlife? Any diseases that are a real problem right now in Oklahoma? You know, there are I wouldn't say we have any um that I can think of significant disease problems. I mean, you'll hear people, you know, ask about chronic wasting disease, blue tongue, uh, some things that maybe deer are susceptible to, elk are susceptible to. But I wouldn't say, you know, we, we for the most part, and we're constantly studying the quail population to see if eye worms or some other thing can be attributed to some of their decline. But with, with the healthy rising deer and elk herd that we have, for example, it, you know, it's hard to say we've got yeah. any sort of major disease problem when the, the population seems to be so healthy and growing right now. Let's maybe shift gears and, and, and talk about one of those things that you've done, a, I think, a pretty incredible job with in, as far as engaging uh, one segment of our population. That's our young people. Uh, that, that's something I know that uh, you, you're, you're really excited about. And it's, it's, uh, it's a great way to make sure that uh, as young people get interested or get enthusiastic because of parents or grandparents or whoever in, in, uh, in hunting and, and wildlife conservation, that they, uh, they get the right instruction. Yeah, absolutely. So we recognize that we're not going to continue to grow hunting and fishing in this state if we're not reaching the next generation. And so it's been important for us for a long time to invest a lot of time and effort and money in our in-school programs. And Oklahoma has really one of the top three in the nation programs in schools, fishing in schools, hunting in schools, shooting in schools, uh, archery in the schools, you name it. We've got the complete suite. In fact, we invented several of these programs, bow fishing in the schools that are just now being copied and taken off in some of the other states. So, uh, so we're very proud. We're in over close to 600 schools now reaching over 60,000 kids in the state with our fishing and shooting in the schools programs. And you can imagine across this country, there are plenty of states Mm -hmm. where hunting is in severe decline. They can't even think about a a program where we're building shotgun shooting teams in a school setting. Uh, But it's it's embraced here and it's taken off and it's doing really well. Uh, We'll have our FFA state shooting competition next week, for example. Uh, We've got 4-H clubs across the state that are very much engaged in our shooting programs. Uh, and, and archery in the schools, we sent two of the 10 or 12 that made the national international team, the USA team, to compete internationally. Two of those kids on that small team came from archery and school programs in Oklahoma. So it's proof in the pudding that we're raising some really good shooters, anglers, and we've got great hope for the next generation. Right. You know, one of the things we, we've tried to do on this this particular podcast series, we, we kicked off with, with Governor 
Governor Stitt, and we've had several great folks since that time. We're, we're really appreciative of you being here today with us as well. One of the things we've talked about, though, uh, in hopefully every, every single uh, podcast is this concept of, of excellence in Oklahoma, top 10 type status. Do, do you feel that, that you know, the, uh, the efforts here at this, at this uh, department, the Wildlife Conservation Department, and uh, uh, just the, the whole, whole uh, you know, whole kind of culture of, of hunting, do, do we do we kind of qualify as being top 10 in Oklahoma? We absolutely do. We absolutely do. We are one of only four states that's continuing to grow hunting per capita. Okay. Um, we've got, as I mentioned, one of the top three programs in the in-school programs in the country. So there's great hope mm-hmm. for the future. We've been recognized by Bow Hunting Magazine, top five deer destination. Uh, when it comes to paddlefish snagging up in northeast Oklahoma, yeah. there was just a story in the news about a guy that traveled all the way from Japan. We've had people come from Australia. People come from all around the world to experience that world-class paddlefish fishery that we have in northeast Oklahoma. There, the list goes on and on in terms of how we really break into the top ten in a number of different categories. I guess what uh, that, that kind of falls under noodling is that right? Or, paddlefish snagging? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a little different. Noodling okay. is for catfish. Okay. Paddlefish snagging uh, is is a different deal, mm-hmm. but um, but equally um, unique to Oklahoma. There are some. P- paddlefish fishing opportunities in some other states but nowhere is it as as successful as it is here why, why is that you think you know, I think it's just uh, there's a really deep tradition and culture here. Um, and, and again, if you go, it goes back to the fact that you don't pay for wildlife conservation unless you're selling hunting and fishing licenses. That that is how we fund wildlife fish and wildlife conservation. So having that strong tradition, having over one in four Oklahomans participating in hunting and fishing, we've got a, 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 we're a significant number of our citizenry engaged in this. They're passionate about it. They're paying money for it, and it all helps us as a wildlife department be able to sort of be kind of riding the wave and helping you know guide the future and and make sure that we're doing what we can to protect that opportunity and grow it into the future you mentioned future what uh you've got got, uh, what three years under your belt here what 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 is your vision you know as you've worked with your with your your staff your team with uh your your uh folks that are you know trying to help give you advice where are we headed? What's the vision? Well, I think um, things are, are very bright on, on all fronts. We've, Like I said, we're continuing to grow the wildlife populations. We've been doing a great job of that since 1909 when this department was funded. Mm-hmm. But our big challenge in the future is sustaining hunting and fishing activity because, again, if we start seeing a decline in that, we'll have a decline in funding, and then the whole thing turns into this death spiral that some other states are actually, frankly, starting to experience. And that's bad for wildlife conservation all the way around so we're really focused like a laser the future for us is focused on every decision we make every dollar we spend and how does it go towards growing hunting and fishing in the state of oklahoma number one number two how can we reach out and tap into non-hunters and anglers and get them engaged in contributing to the overall wildlife conservation effort as well because they're not buying a hunting and fishing license Mm -hmm. but they're still going out there and they're really enjoying a lot of the fruits of our labor when it comes to you know butterfly 
um, habitat that, that also gets built on some of these wildlife management areas and, and bird watching and, and tons of other great opportunities. So for us, that's going to be the focus. How can we get more and more people engaged, bring more and more economic opportunity to especially the rural areas of the state? Because most of this activity is not happening in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. It's happening on the rural landscape, right. and it's good for all of us the more we can build it and bring those dollars out into the rural areas of Oklahoma. You mentioned, as we wrap up, you uh, you mentioned the uh, the idea of non participants in the in the hunting activities, the fishing activities of, of our state. There are parts of the country, not maybe necessarily in Oklahoma, but there are parts in the country that uh, they've got folks that don't really uh, appreciate agriculture, animal agriculture. They don't really appreciate folks that are involved in in hunting and fishing. Uh, whether you're talking about HSUS or other groups like that, uh, do, is, have, have they impacted us at all at this point? You know, I don't. Th- I think it's fair to say they've impacted us at all just because they don't have much of a footing in the state of Oklahoma. But I can promise you that we don't want to have a blind spot there because it, you know, it's happened in a lot of states that I wouldn't have expected it to happen mm-hmm. in. I've got examples from Florida to Arizona and several other states where they've shut down trapping, um, some of the other things. We, we actually heard a bit of an outcry from them when we looked to expand our bear hunting opportunity in Southeast Oklahoma. So it's there. But even though that's a more direct and tangible threat, I think our biggest threat to the future of hunting and fishing in Oklahoma is just the apathy of people getting out of hunting and fishing and they're becoming more urban and they're less attached to the outdoors and the rural landscape and all that that provides for hunting and fishing opportunity. That's the really big threat for us, the the present threat for us here in the state of Oklahoma. So you're uh, you're all about uh, doing what you can to, to take care of the apathy problem. Right? Absolutely. We're <laughs> anti-apathy around here. J.D., thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it so very much. Thank you for the opportunity. J.D. Strong joins us today from the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Department. Here on the Road to Rural Prosperity, I'm Ron Hayes. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.